Welcome to Change Catalysts at the Growing Edge with your host, Carol McClelland-Fields. Within each show, Carol and her guests explore topics that give coaches, healers, and other change catalysts new concepts, tools, and insights that open up opportunities to flourish personally, professionally, and financially. And now, your host, Carol McClelland-Fields. Hello and welcome. I'm Carol McClelland-Fields, your host. In this episode of Change Catalysts at the Growing Edge, my guest, Anya Hankin, and I will be exploring moving from burnout to creative resilience. Through our conversation, we'll delve into a number of subjects that come up when you're feeling burned out and trying to find your way forward with your work. The creative resilience practices Anya shares today and the other topics will bring you ideas about ways you can make this transition yourself. Anya Hankin is a writer and creative facilitator who helps people translate their vision and amplify their impact. She believes that we all have stories worth sharing and work worth doing. Through her business, Anya Hankin Collaborative, she supports creative change makers and circle holders to distill their messages and teach their passions. Welcome, Anya. I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Me too. You have such an interesting niche, and I'd love to hear how your personal experiences have created the foundation for this current business that you have. The origin, really, of my professional life is that I started working in the nonprofit sector. I had always had this vision that I would be running a nonprofit. I was working behind the scenes at various nonprofits really focused on social justice. And I was doing things like grant writing and event coordination and conference planning. And I was also simultaneously working in education fields. So planning events again and building curricula and helping people experience learning environments. What I noticed is that people around me were burning out, just burning out. I could feel that rumble and grumble in myself as well. And it was these folks who... I knew to be so dedicated to their work and to the causes that we were ushering forward, they became so burnt out that they got physically ill or they left their jobs. And it was really profound for me to kind of witness this and feel that in myself as well. I became really curious about the causes of that. And some things were really obvious, sort of surface level causes. People were underfunded and hustling to make money and pay their employees. And underneath that, I also recognized some things that kept showing up. And that was really this sense that people weren't being seen. They weren't being seen for the energy that they were putting out and the work that they were doing. There was this kind of institutionally assumed sense of martyrdom. Like, if you're not giving everything, then you don't belong. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just expected that you burn yourself to the ground. And I saw that people were kind of mired in this lack of clarity about why they were doing their work. They lost track of this deeper anchoring sense of purpose. And so in this kind of exploration, as I was feeling my own burnout, I was stepping back from the nonprofit work and stepping more into a coaching capacity. And I started working with people one-on-one around creating sustainability in their work or returning to that deeper why and exploring new career shifts. In a long kind of meandering way, that really set the foundation for the work that I'm doing now. Excellent. Yes. What does your work look like now? The work that I'm doing today is really around three primary elements, copywriting. I call myself a content catalyst, and I am a creative facilitator. As you said at the top of the show, I really help people translate their vision 
and amplify their impact. What that looks like on a daily basis is a mix of things. I'm really helping people to hone their content for websites and e-courses. And I do that through a collaborative writing process that really gets to the heart of their story. And then I'm also teaching people how to share their skills and passions through facilitation, through teaching, and through authentic leadership. My work is really focused on helping people to feel seen and heard and show up with real confidence in their uniqueness, their unique story, their unique skill, and to their unique community. This is where we have some overlap. We're at different phases, I think, of someone's development of their uniqueness. I know that resilience is important to you and especially creative resilience. Before we dive deeper, I just wanted to hear more about what this concept means to you. When I was doing my work as a coach for many years with these folks who I identified as purpose-driven people, folks who are really committed to work but felt kind of lost in this sense of burnout, I was searching for a term to describe the process that I was guiding people through and really wanting to articulate this sense of emotional sustainability and wellness practice. And it felt way more complex than self-care, which was just popping up as something that people were talking about. And I dreamed up this term of creative resilience. For me, creative resilience brings together these two aspects, resilience, which is an ability to stay true to your core, to stay anchored in your sense of self, even when things are coming at you. Creative, which is really the originality of who you are, your uniqueness, how you embody the tools. And so creative resilience was this umbrella term that I started using as I was doing this work with folks to describe this practice, these tools that were emerging through the work that really helped people to take care of themselves as the work was hard, to move forward in the work. I found that these tools that were emerging are really a daily practice. They're also elements of long-term strategy. And personal accountability. So it's this combination that makes creative resilience potent for each individual person. Over these last many years, I've found that creative resilience shows up for me in my own wellness practices and very much in my writing practice with people, my content creation work. And absolutely, as I'm guiding teachers and supporting facilitation. It really shows up everywhere. Yeah, so in a way, it's a deep foundation for you. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. That is allows you to be resilient yourself. We were talking before we got on air that there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. In my last show, I talked about all of that stuff. And we do need these practices that bring us back to our own center and allow us to feel whole so that we can do the work we're here to do. Mm -hmm. And that's so not just for the burnout within ourselves, within our own lives, but also the overwhelm that happens beyond our control. Absolutely. This has given us a chance to get to know you and to feel the resonance with what you're talking about and things that are going on in our own work. And now I want to deepen the conversation a bit about burnout, about resilience, about finding one's clarity, about the work that we do. I wanted to hear more about the approaches you've discovered from your exploration of creative resilience. Wonderful. As I began to distill these tools of creative resilience, I actually came to 28 practices of creative resilience that can be kind of like choose your own adventure style. Whatever mm. works for you, whatever resonates for you, there's no assumption that 
each practice will resonate for each person, but within the 28, there are likely practices that really can serve each person. And those might shift over the years or over the days, depending on the situation. What I've found to be true is that the practices overall can serve as a compass, redirecting us to the true north helping us assess what's working or what's not working or how do we want to be feeling or where do we want to be going. There are a few practices that have really stayed true for me in my own personal life and also in the work that I'm doing. And it's really interesting to see how they've woven into my content creation work and to my facilitation work and really to my daily practice. Those tools specifically are engagement. The practice of engagement is the opposite of burnout. When you're burnt out, you're just disconnected and disengaged. The sense of engagement speaks to aliveness and curiosity. It's really this spark. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my favorite practices of creative resilience is what does engagement look like in your life and how do you know when you're engaged? Another one is this idea of reciprocity. Reciprocity is this sense of mutuality and give and take. I find that often in our service-driven work, reciprocity is completely out of whack. We are just giving and giving. That speaks to the martyrdom I was talking about, where we're showing up, we're giving everything we have, we're spending all of our energy, and we're not getting that replenishment. Ideally, this sense of reciprocity, we're giving and we're getting. I think that we can look for examples of reciprocity and really showing up for reciprocity in our collaborations, in our work with clients, in our offerings. Reciprocity shows up absolutely in the work that I do teaching teachers. How do we have this true sense of mutuality between teacher and student? Recently, I've been exploring this notion of being reciprocal between us and our businesses. And I feel like that's like a podcast for another time. <laughs> because it's so big. But it really excited me the sense of, oh, I'm not just the one in control of how my business goes. I need to really be paying attention to what my business is telling me and listening into that. Yes. And there are a handful of other practices of creative resilience that are really resonant for me. I'll just share a couple more. Another one is remembering your why. And that is really tapping back into the purpose of your work. The purpose of your work could be, I need to make money to pay my bills. For me, it's really around helping people feel seen and heard so they can do the same for others. And when I can tap back into that. You know, I write it on a piece of paper and put it on my window so I can look at it when I'm working. It, it really helps me to not get lost in the minutia of the everyday of just making it happen. I think especially now, the practice of nurturing hope is really powerful. It can feel pretty hopeless and overwhelming. And I think to keep coming back to a sense of possibility and a sense of hope is really galvanizing. And celebration is a practice of creative resilience. I see with so many of my clients and so many of my colleagues, and definitely I do this as well, where there's just so much to be doing. There's always kind of the next thing. How often do we stop to celebrate our achievements? And it doesn't have to be a huge party with everyone invited, but it could just be a conversation with a coworker or a friend or writing in your journal or going out to dinner, but pausing and recognizing the achievements that we've made really helps to propel us to continue. And yeah. I think so often we forget to celebrate or we think we don't have time or it's not important. But I really have seen that pausing and celebrating is key to our sustainability and moving us out of that sense of burnout. Mm -hmm. One word you said earlier, to me, ties in with the celebration. And that 
word was that we work so much and so hard that we get depleted. Mm -hmm. And it's like we give ourselves so much that we become empty. Mm -hmm. And our celebrations and our self-awareness are the ways that we fill ourselves back up. So there's mm -hmm. got to be that ebb and flow of energy or we just send it all out and there's nothing left for us. And ultimately, there's nothing left for our clients. That to me is a big part of that creative resilience to have practices that we also take care of filling ourselves so mm -hmm. that we have more to give. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We can't, as you said, give from that depleted place. Absolutely. We are doing a disservice to our clients and our community and our work if we can't take care of ourselves, if we can't renew ourselves so we can keep showing up. Yeah, I really liked what you said about the reciprocal nature or relationship with our own businesses. And I have also learned this, that my business has all sorts of ideas <laughs> <laughs> and, and listening. You know, sometimes it's just a flash of a picture to me of how I could organize something or it's a different way to do something than what I've been struggling with. And when I can catch those things. And I'm calm enough inside, you know, this is another reason why we want to be centered and aware is because we can catch these new insights and nuances about our business that make our businesses a lot easier to grow and build and evolve. I call this reciprocal relationship with our business organic evolution, mm, where each, whether it comes from a client or a colleague or ourselves or the business itself. Each piece of information that we get allows us to grow our business organically bit by bit rather than trying to build something in all one step. Mm, yeah, I love that. As we mentioned, the creative resilience and all of these practices that you've talked about are foundational skills in a sense, foundational practices that allow people to then connect into their work in a deeper way. So I wanted to talk about how these concepts of burnout and creative resilience help you support your clients who come to you seeking content and clarity about the work that they do. Mm -hmm. Well, I would first say that my work around creative resilience and burnout has really provided me with ways to identify when I'm feeling burnt out and overspent and depleted. And then these key practices for my own renewal and restoration and feeling of aliveness in the work. In my work with clients, often the people that I'm working with are self-identified empaths, big feelers, heart-centered folks who don't love feeling like everything is about them. They're not kind of in it for the spotlight. They're really in their work for this sense of service and wanting to be of impact. When they come to me for writing work, it's often around wanting to be of deeper service, which is partly stepping into more visibility so people can find them and know about their work so they can work with more folks. And we engage in this process of identifying their values and really clarifying their vision and then creating a language that hones their voice, their uniqueness. People often come to me in that initial stage of the writing process in a place of burnout and disconnection. They're not feeling like the content they have is true to them anymore, doesn't speak to who they are or the work that they're actually doing. Or sometimes they come really in this place of fear. I've had numerous clients who have come and said, you know, I've been avoiding this for years. I haven't wanted to write content at all. I love the work and I'm doing the work, but ugh, like when it comes to writing about it, I'm just totally overwhelmed. So I feel like there's kind of this mini process in my writing collaborations where we're really going from burnout to a sense of creative resilience, to a sense of real visibility and confidence and clarity. What I found is that I'm really just listening and then reflecting back. 
So often what I'm sharing through the writing process is really just this reflection of what people already know about themselves and their work at a deep level. But either they are so close to it that they can't even really see themselves or they're so caught up in the details you know there's disparate stories being told it's hard for them to find that common thread but I am able to step back enough to find that thread and to basically like present it back to them as this reflection I think that Even in that process, there's really a sense of countering burnout, of countering a sense of depletion or disconnection because they're able to really see themselves in their work and feel really seen and witnessed. With my work with Clarity, one of the things that I always notice is that people discount the thing that is most unique and easy for them to do because they make this assumption that it's easy for everyone. Mm. And typically it's not easy for everyone. It's easy to them because that's how they are built. That's who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's so close to them that they think everybody can do it. And so that reflecting back and, and helping them see the threads is something that is so crucial. And I also do something similar. We're at different points in the development process in some ways. We're going to talk about that next in specific terms. When we first got together, there were so many points of connection. Many times we used the same words, slightly differently perhaps, but we were still in the same bailiwick in terms of our passions and the work that we do. So I thought it would be interesting to kind of run through these topics just to do a point counterpoint to see where we are similar and where we are different. And help the audience see how these nuances show up because it's often the nuances that give us the unique work that we do. Some of the words catalyst, change, and clarity are the ones that came up. And I think the process of finding the core vision for the client is also something we both do. Let's start with who we work with. So Anya, talk a little bit more about the people who are drawn to work with you. I call many of the folks who I work with change makers, creatives, and circle holders. I find that the folks who are drawn to my work are really driven by this commitment to service and to being of impact. Primarily when I'm doing content creation work, I'm working with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people who are in businesses that they feel really passionate about when they can connect to that why of their work. They're so excited and motivated. What I've noticed about the folks who are drawn to my facilitation work is that they're really ready to step into a new iteration of leadership. And you know, it's interesting as I'm saying that, I'm realizing that the the folks who are drawn to the content creation are also really ready to step into kind of a new iteration of the stories that they're telling. So the people that I love to work with are curious and ready to be courageous and want to kind of continue the ripple of impact and of change and spread it a little bit wider and deeper. What are some of the professions of people you work with? Kind of umbrella term of change maker really speaks to these familiar folks who are in the nonprofit world, in education, who are advocates and mentors and doing work that's rooted in justice. The creative folks are writers and coaches and painters and, you know, ceramicists and healers as well. And the circle holders are ready to share their gifts. And that really spans a range of careers. Um, Mm -hmm. People are wanting to to teach and guide and lead. Beautiful. My term that I have come up with is change catalysts. And they're different than change makers in a sense because their role is to be a catalyst for their clients to make changes. 
So typically my clients are coaches, healers, therapists, social workers, could be alternative healers, spiritual healers, people whose focus is to use their expertise to help their clients create change in their life. And that change could be navigating a difficult time or it could be creating something new in their lives. So a new career or a new relationship, new health strategies, something like that. Hmm. My clients tend to be, they're, they're serving in a way, but it's, I think, in a slightly different way than your clients in that the focus is really on their individual client. Mm, they're doing one-on-one work primarily. Yes. And it could be workshops, or it could be retreat, but the end result is not to help an organization evolve, but to help an individual make mm-hmm. new choices or create something new in their lives. And my clients, they're feeling called to take their work in a new direction. They may not yet know what that direction is. So they may have a couple of clues, but they don't know how to pull all that together into a focus. And the next phase would be somebody who has an idea with potential, but they haven't quite seen it all yet. They haven't done the mental data dump to get all of their expertise and their knowledge and their education and pull it all together to create a model or to create a a way of supporting their clients. And I think we may overlap a little bit there. Mm -hmm. in terms of pulling forth the threads of somebody's goodness (laughs) and helping them in a collaborative way, helping them see how they can organize that and how they can communicate it to themselves. How can they understand the work they do? I've had clients who do work, but they don't know what to call it. And it really drives them insane because how can you talk about it to the outer world when you don't know what to call it? You know, you don't know what it is yet. I mean, that's so much about, that's so much what I do as well. Yes. Really in the writing process is how do you create a language that really describes the work that you're doing so you understand it and feel good in speaking about it and sharing about it and that people resonate with the message that you're sharing and the stories that you're telling so they know exactly. how to find you. Yeah, I love how overlapped we are in our work. And then the <laughs> third piece that I work on with people is when they have that vision of how their work is going to be organized and how their business structure is going to happen around that work, then we pull out something that they want to create, whether it's a retreat or a workshop or a way they're going to work with their clients. And I help people develop an experiment. So we take something that they're developing and they actually do it with a client or two or three. And they bring that feedback back into the conversation that we're having. And we're able to do that organic evolution with their idea. What I find is they don't have to get it perfect in their own head because they're going to have those interactions with their clients that help them evolve what they're doing and find the best ways, not just for them to do their work, but the best ways for their clients to also receive and utilize their work. Carol, that is so beautiful. I love that so much. That's and that's how I've grown this business that I'm doing now. My uh, Flourish as a Change Catalyst work, both with the clarity and then the training that I do. I have learned that the value of that experiment, the, the value of talking to real people and not trying to create the whole thing in my head first and then try to market it straight up, But to have that interaction, because then I see and my clients see, wow, my work really does help. And this is how it helps. And they see the changes that their clients are going through. And that allows them to go to someone like you or to a marketing specialist. But in your case, you help people develop their website, how they're going to communicate what they do to the outer world. And when they can come to you with more clarity about the benefits that they're getting with their work. That just helps that next phase of creating a presence in the world, which is something I don't do, but (laughs) you do do. (laughs) Perfect collaboration. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Quick parallel is that I've been doing this facilitation training, which is a five-month cohort 
and I'll talk in greater depth about it later, but I just really relate to what you're saying about this experimental process where you're not just creating something in your head and then hoping and guessing that it'll work. And that's really one of the reasons why this cohort model that I've created has come to be is that we are gathering together out of isolation in community to try things on and be imperfect and make messes and be witnessed in that so that it's not just this notion in your head that you kind of cross your fingers and hope for the best. It's practiced, it's informed, it's incorporating feedback and learning. So I love that we're both doing these related things in different ways. And it's really fun to hear more about what you're doing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? We both talk about change, you and the change makers, me and the change catalysts. And I suspect we have similar views of change, but I thought it would be an interesting conversation to talk about what we're referring to when we use that word change. You were kind of creating this distinction between change catalysts that they're inspiring the change for their clients, right? Versus change makers. Mm -hmm. I think that I actually feel more aligned with your definition. When I am talking about change makers or creating change, it's all the stages of change. It is the personal change and evolution. And it's also folks who are committed to creating transformation for the people that they work with. That's, that's sort of how I think of change makers, which I think is pretty related to Mm -hmm. change catalysts. It's all of those iterations of change. And I think the work that I do is so rooted in transformation. Literally, the, the content creation process, we go through multiple written iterations of the language and of the writing. So there is this tangible change process that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Often in that process, I will talk to my clients about the caterpillar to butterfly transformation as well, because I think we spend a lot of time in this chrysalis and it can be icky and scary when you're taking all the pieces of the caterpillar and like literally eating yourself (laughs) before you can create new wings. But what I have seen is that People have all the components. It's just kind of re reconfiguring them before you emerge out of the cocoon. So the writing process really echoes that where it's a full process of transformation and it can be icky and sticky. And then it's also really beautiful and people can kind of fly with it. Change shows up in the facilitation process also around what does it mean to step into your leadership? What does it mean to be a leader? And what changes do folks want to or need to undergo to be visible in their fullness and to kind of step into their own confidence and capacity to best serve their clients and their community? I speak a lot about folks coming to me wanting to have greater impact. And I think impact in itself suggests a change has occurred, right? A change has occurred for the clients that they're serving, the people that they're serving. Those are some ways that change shows up in my work. How about you? Yeah, I've been studying change and transitions for several decades. I just did a show actually where I talked about my journey and all the trends that I'm now seeing in in transitions as our world gets kind of this overlay of more and more uncertainty. My Change Catalyst clients are helping their clients go through changes, but I'm seeing that there's this broader level of change, like this meta level of change that's happening in our world. And I believe Change Catalysts need to be aware of it. You know, so often a relationship coach or a health coach is focused in on that relationship or that health issue. And I believe just from my own tracking of what has changed since the late 80s, the way we're interacting with change is completely different in the decades that have transpired. 
And it's important for us as change catalysts to realize that because some of the skills that we need to bring to our coaching or our healing or our, our work need to take into account that we are working within a backdrop of much more uncertainty than we ever have. And how do we need to show up for our clients and what can we model for them or what can we help them untangle about the way that they're feeling and how much of it is about their personal life, whether it's personal or professional changes they're going through, or how much is it about things that are happening nationally or globally with climate change and things like that. I'm looking at both micro changes, but also this meta change that's going on and what is it that we need to be prepared for as, as things continue to unfold? And it's sort of a growing edge. That's why my radio show is called Change Catalyst at the Growing Edge. I don't have the answers, but I see that it's a conversation that we need to have as professionals to be available to our clients and to support them in navigating in this time that's very different than how it was when I first started my work as a coach. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot to say about change, but we'll <laughs> let that go for now, I think. The last but not least concept that I wanted to explore with you is clarity. We actually connected quite deeply during that second conversation we had about how clarity is a part of what we are helping our clients get to. Part of our way of working is to support that journey for people as they gain the clarity that they need in order to do what they're here to do. Why don't you go ahead and talk about what you mean by clarity? On a fundamental level, my content creation work with people is about clarity. It's about clarity of your message and that requires a clarity about the deeper why of your work. Mm -hmm. When I'm moving through these four to six weeks of writing collaboration with people, each draft that we generate, each conversation that we have, we're searching for a deeper clarity of what are you really trying to say? What's really essential? How do you distill down to the very essence and communicate that. That's different for each person. You know, I have my kind of tricks and tools that help us get to that point, but it's very much a personal process of what's true for the client and what's true and resonant for their community. The writing process is really a process of generating clarity. Clarity is also really present in my work as a facilitator and a facilitation trainer, we're again looking for that clarity of why, why we're doing the work, why we're doing the offer, why we've structured the day in this way, really drawing out from all of the potentials and ideas and possibilities to find that nugget of an offer that's going to be the most juicy and the most exciting. Is that related to your process at all? Yeah, in certain ways and then not in certain ways. It's very interesting. Content creation where you're helping them create a program is quite similar to, to my third stage. The clarity that I help people get to is way before they're ready to market, way before they're ready to talk to somebody about their website or marketing. They're still in the, wow, what is it that I do stage? I have been helping people gain clarity about the focus of their work since 1991 when I started <laughs> my first workshop called Craving a Career Change. And I've always helped people figure out their next move professionally. And for a long time, it was professionals working in the corporate world or wanting to leave the corporate world to start their own venture or do something else. But more recently, with this change to Change Catalyst, it's, it's really about entrepreneurs and helping them gain clarity about the core focus of their work. Without that core focus, being able to know inside of themselves with this deep, grounded sense of clarity that this is what I'm here to do. This is why I do the work that I do. And this is what I do. Without that clarity, all the rest of it is so hard to do. All the ways of building our presence and 
marketing and sales, it's just hard to do when you don't have that inner knowing within yourself. So I have a one to two month program that actually walks people through this process of gathering a lot of clues about their favorite skills and their favorite interests and how we can weave those together to create a unique vision for their work. The other thing I've learned, and this is a fairly recent discovery, you know, a lot of people think we're either clear or we're not clear. And if we're not clear, we're always trying to get clear. You know, we don't like to hang out in that state of confusion a whole lot. My new insight is that there are many facets of clarity and the facets go in a particular order. So when you can understand what it is you're unclear about, then that helps you see where you are in your journey to evolve your work to a new level. I'll give you a few examples. One is the what do you do question, you know, the, the focus or topic of your work. And then there's the form. What form is it going to take? Are you going to do retreats? Are you going to do one-on-one work? Are you going to do expeditions to the greater outdoors? And then the offers. And then the presence, which could be your social media, your website, all those different ways that we need to have presence, our elevator talk, our business card, all that. It brings up points of clarity that we need to have in order to nail that down so that we can move on from there. And then there are marketing strategies and sales strategies and growth strategies. And all of those take a certain degree of clarity too, because when we first look at how we market ourselves, we go, I don't know. (laughs) And we're totally confused. And so each of these different facets of clarity, when I can help people see their own picture through these different points of view, they can suddenly see where they're stuck. And where they're stuck then tells us where they are on this map that I have that's based on my seasons of change model. And that's where one of the things that I really help people with is understanding what it is they need to do next. So many people have confusion just about the process. Understanding where they are helps them find the professional to support them because not everybody is skilled at all of these areas. You know, often marketing specialists really don't have a lot of time in their courses or in their coaching programs to help people get the clarity that you and I help people get to. And so if they jump into a marketing class and they're not clear about what they do and they're not clear about who they work with and they're not clear about the benefits their work provides, then they can't implement anything else that that person has to offer them. I've worked with people where they've gotten into a class or a course or a coaching program that's not been a good fit for them. And they actually experience some business trauma, they call it, where they spend a lot of money, but they haven't gotten the results that they need. And so one of my missions is to help people really understand that there is this process and there is an order to it. And yeah, you can do several things at once, but if you don't have some of the foundation pieces, you really can't move forward with the clarity that you need. And when you have that clarity, that clean, clear sense of clarity, then you can move forward much more quickly than when you're stumbling over all the different layers of clarity that you need in order to run a business. Do you find that within all of those stages of clarity, components of clarity you're talking about, that they inform the next? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Most often. Mm -hmm. Yep. And sometimes like I have, I thought I was clear and then I got to the stage of writing my website (laughs) and then I got more clear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's part of that organic evolution that I talked about earlier is when I got more clarity, then I was able to go back and sort of refine and tighten up some of the ways that I was thinking about and talking about my work. And so it's always a work in progress. And each stage allows for another layer of clarity that allows us to return to some earlier questions and go, oh, that's why that never felt quite right. But Mm -hmm. now it does feel right. And now I can move forward with that. It's like building a foundation. The stronger the foundation, the more you're going to be able to jump from that into a thriving business. I think you and I spoke about this one of our previous calls, but you know, you're touching on this now, I really feel like 
clarity does not have to be a stagnant thing. Mm -mm. right it's it's constantly evolving and shifting and we're kind of like in this perpetual dance this tango with clarity and we can learn you know one of the dances but then there's more to learn and I feel like that is so helpful to remember and recognize that we don't have to be stuck in it and that having the questions and having that continued exploration is really part of the process. And it doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. Not at all. Yeah. And I think the creative resilience practices are important, not just around the work that we're doing, but they're important when we're figuring out our work. Because it's so easy to get into this downward spiral about how it's never going to come together. In actuality, it's that process of discovery. Well, you called it the cocoon, the chrysalis. It's mucky in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's dark. It's scary. It's gooey. Yeah, and I call it winter. Same <laughs> dynamic. It's dark in there. It's stormy. It's wet, you know, but that's where the magic happens. That's where the new connections are made. If we just stuck with what we know, you know, we never got into this place of, well, I don't know that that's really what I do. If you don't open to, well, maybe there's something else, then you're never going to find that something else. You're not going to be qualified. Exactly. We're both normalizing this creative process that is a dance. It is an ebb and a flow. And there are ways to honor that process and work with it rather than always fighting against it. And to understand what that path looks like is a huge benefit to my clients to actually see, oh, that's what I should be working on now. That's why working on that other thing right now really wasn't making any progress because I didn't have this foundational piece. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Fascinating. But it's time to move on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Anya. It's been a pleasure. And I want to give our listeners a chance to understand the work that you do. And then uh, we'll also talk about how to find you. Yeah. So the brief summary statement about the work that I do is that I am a copywriter and a content catalyst and a facilitation trainer. And I support people to translate your vision so you can amplify your impact. And I know you've just started this new group, the Catalyst Cohort. So let's talk a little bit about that as well. Yes. So I mentioned the Catalyst Cohort briefly. This is really, honestly, my big dream come to fruition. The Catalyst Cohort is an in-person immersion for people who are ready to embody their fullest capacity to serve their clients and their community. So what that looks like is we gather over a five-month span to practice facilitation skills and identify authentic leadership techniques And each person in the cohort is designing and creating their very own unique program curriculum. So this is for folks who want to guide their own in-person workshops or retreats or courses. And right now, there are eight folks in the cohort. They span a real range of professions and backgrounds and experience in teaching and facilitation. But they're all asking those questions about what it means to be deeply of service and how can they show up in their fullest way and also not lose sight of themselves and their own wellness in the process. So it's this combination of really all that I bring to my work, I'm bringing to the cohort you know, I feel like, as you said, you know, step into the cocoon together. We don't have to do it alone. That That's really what we're doing. It's- if listeners want to learn more about you and your work, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? They definitely can visit my website. And that's just my name, AnyaHankin.com. And there's a lot of information about my content creation work and about the Catalyst cohort. Instagram is where I'm sharing personal writings and musings and amplifying other people's voices. I 
share quotes that I find really moving and powerful and then a lot of kind of my own thoughts. So definitely check out my Instagram. That's at Anya Hankin. And if folks are interested, I have a newsletter that I send out no more than twice a month. And that is also a place where I share musings and thoughts. It's where I post about any upcoming in-person offers or e-courses. Once a month, I send out a complimentary workbook that helps people either clarify their content or catalyze their communities. When you sign up for the newsletter, you automatically get a workbook about clarifying your mission statement. So that might be fun for some of your listeners. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, I will be posting Anya's resources on a page and I'll tell you about that webpage in just one moment. So is there anything else you wanted to share before we finish up? I just really believe that amidst it all, you know, amidst the confusion, amidst the burnout, amidst the weight of the world, to really feel affirmed that your work matters and that your words are worthy. And I encourage all of us to keep showing up in service to our big dreams and service to the sense of possibility and potential and connecting in community. You're seen, you're heard. Thank you. I think we all need that on a repeat loop. It's so easy to forget sometimes. Well, thank you so much, Anya, for everything you've shared with us today. I've really enjoyed this conversation about moving from burnout to creative resilience. And to explore the resources that Anya has shared, you can visit my site at flourishasachangecatalyst.com forward slash radio. And there I will have links to Anya's website and the other resources that she talked about. And I want to thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more ways you can flourish as a change catalyst at The Growing Edge. You've been listening to Change Catalysts at The Growing Edge on InspiredNewsRadio.com with Carol McClelland Fields. Tune in regularly to hear more ways you can flourish as a change catalyst.